Well, good morning. That was amazing. Oh, holy night. Oh, wow. That was beautiful. That is, that is glory. Like That is glorious praise. And I know just through that time of worship, like worshiping with y'all was amazing and just honoring to God. And I know his presence is with us today. Um, and so I just want to pray really quick again so that this message is clear, slowly articulated, and concise. So... All right, Father, thank you so much for this just this beautiful day that we have, um, and I just pray right now at this time, it just honors you, uh, that we can come to grow in our understanding of who you are, the, the character you have, the heart you have for us, God. May we take ownership of who you are in our lives, God. We know that you want to encounter us, and I pray that you just radically transform all of our hearts, uh, because I know that we all desperately need you, and I'm just so honored to speak this word. So speak through me, Father. Uh, Let this word be uh, what you want uh, for our body today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is a great day. Um, I get to preach to y'all now as a newly engaged person. Uh, So... My precious, beautiful bride-to-be is here today, and I'm very excited to um, speak this message today for the first time, um, being engaged. So I don't really know. It doesn't really mean anything for me. I don't have a ring. I mean, I never understood that. A couple students are like, where's your ring? And I'm like, are you for real? Like, you think that men get rings in this? Like, that'd be sweet. (laughs) Just kidding. Um... Anyways, so I want to talk a little bit about, I want to start this off with uh, just talking about what our imaginations are like uh, and the beauty of an imagination of a middle middle school student. And I was blown away. Now, this was no one in our church. It was someone at the school that I work at. Um, He's in sixth grade, and he was telling me about what he does when he goes home. And we were, he has this like playroom, okay? And so that's very normal. And he, we were going through this Bible study, and he's like, uh, he's like, hey Kyle, I, I wanna, I want a couple more of those, those Bible pamphlets that you handed out. I'd really like to have, you know, I don't know, 20 or 30. And I'm like, man, that's gonna be expensive. That's what I was thinking about. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. Um, but I was like, what do you need 20 to 30 of these like little booklets for? And he's like, well, it's, for, it's for my playroom at, at home, um, where, I, where I do, where I play school. And I'm the teacher, and so i got to pass it out to all my students. And I'm thinking, like, hold on a second. You are in sixth grade, and you still have, like, playtime. And I'm like, oh, like, I'm, and he's a sweet little boy. And I'm like, it's so cute. Like, you play still. And then on the other side, I'm like, man, you better stop. <laughs> like, you are going to get beat up. Do not confess that to anybody, okay, and Margaret and Pierce, they know who I'm talking about, this kid is so sweet, like, he's so innocent, and he, he just became a believer this year through our chapels, and he wants to follow Christ, and I'm just like, for your salvation, you need to stop, okay, just kidding, but this idea of imagination, right now, I want you all to have this, uh, I want you to kind of meditate for a second, and I want to, I want to try to um, get into this uh, mode using our imaginations to uh, put on the eyes of the shepherds and to put on this 
uh, this character of who a shepherd is and what a shepherd does. And what we're going to do today is we're going to navigate through uh, Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to mainly focus in on verses 13 and 14, but I want to try to I want to try to create this context for you um, to have a greater appreciation for this for this text and, and what it's really saying to all of us. Okay, so we are going to be going on a journey. Okay, and this journey, what I'd like you for it to do is to just to rekindle a flame or like just set a blaze, a fire inside you, or just fuel a fire that you have in your relationship with God. So whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ, I hope that this message right now sets a blaze inside of you, um, the, the love and just this honor and praise that we owe to God. Um, so what we have to know first is that this journey begins with Jesus' birth. But before he was birthed, something happened. So I'm going to read out of the NIV um, just so that we can use the text that we're using for today through both campuses. Um, and I'm going to start in verse 4. So Joseph, also from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, uh, he went up there to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And I want to stop there. Gail had asked me to speak, uh, was it Tuesday? And I've never dissected this text before and studied it like I have this time. And I, I just loved, absolutely loved reading about and, and studying what is really going on in here. And what I want to do right now is I want to help lay out the format and lay out the context for what has happened just now. So we're in a time where Caesar Augustus has taken and made it mandatory for their census to be, to be made. So everyone's got to register and, and check in so that he can keep tabs on everybody, basically. And so Caesar's kept this, he's opened this up and made the census mandatory for everybody. So... What I learned is this journey that Mary, that Mary and Joseph had to take in order to get to Bethlehem, it can be, in, in, some, in some circumstances, be, be as a way of saying, you know, 
um, where they had to go back to register in order to be you know, in the line of David, which is what we're going to go through right now. So we see that Mary and Joseph didn't have to go together in order to register. Mary didn't have to go at all. Joseph had to be the one that represents the two as he registers in the town of David, where is, is his direct lineage in genealogy. So we learn through Scripture that genealogies are very important, and, and especially in the, in the context of Jesus, because this has been prophesied over and over and over again that a, that a child will be born in the town of Bethlehem. Well, Joseph, he had a huge decision to make because if you watch any Christian like movie where it depicts this story, Joseph's all mad because he thinks Mary cheated on him because she's, she's got a baby and it wasn't his and it's impossible. And what, what we see here is that Joseph actually, he, he, had found, he had gotten word from God that this was the son that he was to raise. Even though it may not be physically, but he's going to raise him. So Joseph could have either disobeyed the word that God gave him to go and, and take care of this child, or he could have turned his back and not listened to God, and then who knows what the story would have been written. So we see that Joseph stays faithful. Joseph responds to God, and he says, I'm going to go. But Mary, knowing that the child would be born soon, because she was probably mega huge, okay, <laughs> she goes with. She didn't have to, but she goes with. And so I'm, I'm reading through this as I'm studying, and I'm like, man, that's fascinating. I didn't know. So the reason why they go back to Bethlehem so that they can get registered, not to be like, you know, in the lineage, that's God and his sovereignty and his providence working through the situation and the government and everything that's going on in Rome, and he brings them to the place where he has said his word, is going, this is going to take place here, and then he does it through all this craziness. So then... We have to look at this through the eyes of the shepherds. So a shepherd, I'm going to see you really quick. Raise your hand if you are a mother or a father. First one, okay, that was most of us. Uh, grandparents. Yes. Teacher. It's amazing how it's just been like cut in half every single time. Okay, uh, are, are you a boss? Raise your hand if you're a boss, if you are in charge of people or were in charge of people at some point in your life. Okay, you are all shepherds, and whether you, are, you think you're not a shepherd, you are. So, roll with me. So, shepherds back in the day were just normal, average Joes. And now, if you're like Mr. Van Buren over here, he is not average, okay? He's above average. I love you, Joe. But with these, these shepherds are average Joes. God uses people that we least expect. And in this time, in this text, we see that angels come to the shepherds. And it wasn't because they were some high priest and they weren't like royalty. They were just normal dudes that pastored sheep and they led sheep. And so he uses, he uses these shepherds here, and I'm, I firmly believe this. He uses the shepherds because he's all about relating to us. Shepherds are just like us. They are lowly, humble people. Now, not all of us are humble and lowly, but we should be. Um, so he uses these people because they are in charge of like, the pastoral leadership roles of the time. And so he uses these average people to say, I'm going to do great things through you. And you are going to, hopefully, obey and follow my commands that I have for you. And so we go through this text and we see that these, this angel. And now angels are the most mysterious and some, it freaks some of us out to talk about it. I don't, I don't really care. Whatever. I'm going to talk about it because we should. Okay? So angels are mysterious, and, and they, they're people or beings that we don't really talk about a lot in church. 
But God talks about them all the time. And we don't really know exactly which angel this is that comes to, that comes to them in the story. But most people in, in, in these commentaries that I was reading, uh, they believe that it was the angel Gabriel because this was the messenger angel. But it doesn't say it in the text. But I like it for the imagination and to piece faces to names. Um, so Gabriel, possibly, um, who knows, uh, he's coming to warm up these shepherds, these average people. Okay, and I'm not saying you're average, but I'm average. But he comes, the angel comes down and comes to the shepherds that are nearby in this field. And can you imagine you're out doing your thing, pushing sheep around, right? And all of a sudden an angel appears speaking directly to you about what you should do. Like, these guys are freaking out. Like, they basically, like, you know, use the restroom in their pants for some church language, okay? Freaking out that this angel comes down or talking directly to them, okay? Sorry, student pastor, if you are a new visitor, that explains everything, okay? Anyways, so, bear with me, okay? Um, so this angel comes and tells them what God is doing. And they have two options to either go follow and pursue what God's saying that he's going to do to, to prove what he's doing, or they can just be freaked out and go run away and hide and isolate themselves, which is exactly what God's not all about. But this, this angel calls in the, it's in Greek or Hebrew, they call him the soter, which means savior. And there was all kinds of people back then that could have been called saviors. So like doctors, philosophers, people like that were also called saviors. But this, this angel distinguishes a very different form of a savior that this is. And he is the anointed one, the Messiah. And this is the one that's been prophesied over for years. And now it's finally taking place. It's happening. And these shepherds are like, whoa. So we read in the text here that the angel said, do not be afraid. If you had an angel come to you, came down and was like, like all the glorious light and you're seeing all this and, you, and it says, don't be afraid. Let's be honest. Who's afraid? Just saying. These, these shepherds believe the angel, okay? Which I would like to think that I would too, but I have no clue. But the angel comes down and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news and great joy. That will be for all the people. Notice this. God is not saying, I've selected you, and you are perfect and great, and I'm choosing just you. Now, God comes and says, I'm coming for all, all people. And so, from that, we can move forward. We can say, we now know that Jesus is coming. He's, he's coming, and the shepherds have, have a task. They have a mission that they need to go on, and they're going to Bethlehem. And what's amazing is they go, and what happens? They show up. Well, actually, let me back up. After the angel says that this is what God's going to do, a heavenly host of angels, so this single angel warms them up and says, hey, don't be freaked out. Okay, you good? This is what God's going to do. And then this eruption of praise and glory of a heavenly host of all these angels freaking out, like praising God, going nuts. And if there's anything that's going to convince me that God is speaking to me, it would be that. Like, okay, I'm warmed up. Okay, now, now we're good. Let's go. So they go, and they find this inn. And the angels, they, they, after they praise God, the, the shepherds, they go, and they find the baby in the manger. And so after that, we see that they had, a, they had this choice. They go, and they obey. That's the, that's the pattern we want to keep here. All right, and so now we can get going into this. 
Sweet. All right, so Gail, for whatever reason, likes to give me all the messages that are extremely difficult to speak on. Um, And what we're going through now is we're seeing how God has favor on us through the eyes of the shepherds. Now, favor is one of those terms that we've seen throughout our time, if you have been a part of the church, where it's been pretty much bastardized for what it really isn't. And so I think I've got a slide up here that's going to explain this a little bit better. It's the definition of bastardized, because I don't want you to think I'm saying a bad word, because I'm not. I had to look it up, and I asked CJ. He said I could. Okay, so we got... We're talking about this term favor and how it's been bastardized in the church because this is a, it's been completely corrupt. Like We see prosperity preachers talking about how God's favor is all about earthly things and worldly stuff and God's going to give you all these earthly things. Let me make myself very clear. Can God do that? Absolutely. He can absolutely do that. If he so chooses to say this will help you in your life and this is going to glorify me, he will let you have these things that are of the earth. But this language here... Uh, typically adds these new elements. So you swing this term favor, and you immediately, for me at least, I think prosperity gospel heresy. But then after studying this text and seeing how God shows favor to those he loves, all people, and when you respond, you'll see here in a little bit, how that begins to change your view of favor. So, back in the day, the Jewish, the Jewish way of reading this text here, of how, it show, how God shows favor uh, to those um, who have this peace now. God has given this peace to his people, these chosen people. You see that back then, um, this was God's way of saying that someone was numbered among God's chosen people. So, now, I'm not preaching Calvinism, but I am saying God has chosen people, and these chosen people, and it's very clear that salvation and its fullness are not automatic for everyone. Okay? So, and there's another slide here that I want you to see because I would really like you, if you can, write this down. I'll give you time to write down. But this, this here is the truth of the gospel and our response to the gospel. So, we've got it. Only those who respond to God's grace and follow the path lit by the rising sun will experience the peace into which that path leads. Jesus does come for all. And we know that through this text here. But not all respond and benefit from his coming. If we think about the shepherds and what they're doing, what they had to abandon in their life, they had to, they had to go on a journey. And that is like us. We are all on a journey. And we all have to go somewhere. And based off of who we follow and what we respond to, our, our destination, our salvation will be determined by what we've done in our life. And what we see here is that When we're talking about God's favor, we're not talking about earthly things. We're talking about responding to something that's far greater than our understanding, okay? And that is God's grace. And that is knowing Jesus has come for me, and now, now that I know Jesus has come for me and I've given my life to him, I have to to respond in some way. I either follow or I don't follow. And what we see here in this text is the shepherds, they follow, they go. And what happens? God's word comes through valid. He says and he does. And the shepherds are there and they listen and then they go and then glory. The great news, this good news that this angel brought to the shepherds, this good news is not just a word of, oh, that's great, that's good. No, it's 
No, now you may, you may live. The Son is here. The prophesied Son of God has now shown up. And you obeyed and you listened. And now guess what you get to do? Now, that because, now because you have been obedient and you followed and you saw the evidence that God had of, hey, here's what's going to happen. And then boom, it happened. It's like, wow, amazement. The shepherds have a story now. They have a story to tell. They have a story to go share with others so that they may know that a Savior has come. And so it's, it's so important to remember this when we're, when we're sitting here today. And it's so important to remember that when we know Jesus has come, we know and we believe we have to respond to his grace. And so our next slide. Understanding the favor of God is crucial. And we have to understand that in order to have the favor of God, you have to understand His presence. Because the favor of God is a guarantee of God's presence showing up. I want to just say boldly, when we are worshiping, favor, to experience that. Like, I wanted to start crying. I was like, this is awesome. This is amazing. I want to tell everybody about it. Worship was amazing today at church. You should come check it out. Learning the word, knowing who God is, learning his character, learning how he loved us, learning how he sent his son. And and now, I'm going to slow down, sorry. Now, we see that we've experienced his presence. Favor of God is the guarantee of his presence. It also is the provision of his power to accomplish his special purpose in and through my life. What is your purpose? What do you do? What is killing you? What is robbing you of your joy? What is robbing you of your peace? What is robbing you of your freedom? What is robbing you of your identity? What's wrapping you up and making you so confused? Because the power of God and the provision of his power, if you live by that, your life radically changes. And I don't think I've openly shared this. Maybe I have, but the things God is doing in my life as a testimony, not as a boastful moment to to say whatever God is doing in my life. But as a testimony, I became, I was saved. I grew up in the church and was saved in 2011, January 2011. And because of a response to God showing me favor and showing me his grace and responding to that grace, from 2011 until 2014, my life looks radically different. And it is filled with amazing testimonies of God showing me favor, like rescuing me from my life of sin in every relationship I've ever had and bringing me a beautiful bride-to-be who loves and fears the Lord and it calls me out and I'm like, man, that's right, you're right, okay? I'm gonna, I need to be with God right now and just, you're right, you know? And bringing me a woman to call me out and then all these crazy, and then there is earthly blessings, like God randomly showing up, like, hey, here's a house just for you. Like, what? How did that happen? You know, I've got like a million dollars in student loan debts. I can't afford a house up, but here you go. You're good. Like, really? And it is earthly. It is worldly. But once that favor is shown to you and God's power moves inside of you and you respond to his grace, the favor comes. And it may not be an earthly reward, but it's the reward of the inner being. It's the reward of who you are. It's the reward of being a peaceful person. It's the reward of being filled with Christ's love. It's the reward of being joyful. And so, what is the special purpose in your life that God is trying to use you for? 
for me and my story. I went from wanting to be a doctor and now having 300 kids that God says, here, disciple them, lead them, do it. What? You're crazy. 300 kids? I can't remember that many names. And now, for whatever reason, I think that's God's favor. I can remember most of them. Like, if a kid comes up to me, it may take me like 10 seconds to like flip through the, the index book in my head. I know what an index book is, by the way. <laughs> but I'm flipping through it in my head. I got it. Nailed it. Right, Piers? Of course. All right. So, favor, we have to understand this, though. We have to understand that favor is not achieved. And we'll see this here. Favor is not achieved. And also, you have to know that when you receive it, you have to know how to live it. So when favor is given to you, when God, with his grace and mercy, shows you his favor, how do you receive it? Is it just carnal and vain where you just take everything for, for granted? You, you use your success in your life as who you are, and this worldly success rather than who you've become as a follower of Christ and who you've brought to know Christ. I think of, I think of my two friends that brought me to Christ when I think about favors not being something that you achieve. But favor is something that God uses through other people too. God showed favor to my two friends who brought me to Christ and pursued me day after day after day. You need to come to this Bible study. You need to come to this Bible study. You need, okay, listen, you're coming. And they bring me and boom, fall on my knees. I didn't deserve that. My friends were faithful. They pursued me. People that we are in community with here in this church, what are we doing? How, how are we trying to glorify God with our lives? What have we given over to him so that we can be like these, these shepherds with amazement and joy and say, look at what God did in my life. He is so real. He is so alive. Radically transforming me and who I am and giving me favor. Favor isn't just the worldly, it's the inner. It's who we become. And so, as I'm reading through this, I'm thinking of my two friends, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, who, how, how am I being like you? I actually ran across their, their Facebook page the other day, and I'm like, Patrick DiDonato and Derek Shell, my two friends from college, came across, and I'm like, Ad, I need to talk to you. I need, we need to have a conversation. I want to thank you, because now I have life. And I don't live in that wicked, sinful way that I once lived in. Break every chain. They're broken because of my two faithful, obedient friends who have been shown God's favor, which has allowed me to experience God's glory. And so, when, our next slide. We, when we give God this glory, hand it over to him, say, okay, I'm going to faithfully just follow I'm going to faithfully go because I know you've said, I know your word comes back true. It comes back perfect. When we give glory to God in the highest, like we read in Luke 2, verses 14, like this place, this place here will give us peace. When we get to this place where we give God glory for all the things, all the blessings, all the favor, all of what we have in our life, even if it's what we don't have, we give God praise for what we are not allowed to have, what God's saying, no, you're not ready for that yet. We give God praise for that because he's trying to show us and teach us who we are. This is the place where we have peace. And this is the reward of favor. It's inner peace. It's it's peace that completely transforms who we are. And so through the eyes of these shepherds, and I want to invite the worship team to come up, through the eyes of these shepherds, 
I want, I want you to see three things that they do and why God relates to them. He chooses them for us so that we can benefit from their story. These shepherds do three things. First, God's presence, like we talked about in the beginning, God's presence shows up through these angels. The closest thing to heaven that these shepherds are going to experience while on earth. And God's presence shows up and they listened. They didn't run. They weren't shamed. They didn't hide. But they trusted. They believed. Do not fear. They believed. And they began to listen. God uses them in that moment to say, all right, now go. So they obey. And they do. My two friends who brought me to Christ, they fulfilled the greatest command. Well, one of the greatest commands. Go out. Make disciples of all nations. Just because of what they did. Now there's 300 kids that are exposed to the gospel through their testimony, not with me. The only thing I had to do was get out of the way and respond. What do you got to get out of the way of? Because maybe there's 300 people in your lives. Maybe there's 500 people in your lives in your work or in your business or there's a client you have or you know, if there's a student you have. What's the tenfold for God through your testimony, through your obedience like these shepherds had? And once you obey and you see God comes through and comes through every single time, what do you do? What's your response? Do you praise and give glory to God? Or do you just soak it all up in for yourself? Store up all your treasures in the barns. Just waste away when it comes time for you to face God. Does God see you and say, you know, I, I don't know you, but I prophesied in your name. I did all these things for you. Away with me. At the end of your day and at the end of your life, is that where you're going to sit? Because when you listen, obey, praise, and give glory to God for all he's done, that's favor. He will show you favor. He will give you favor. It may not be worldly things. It could be. God cares about who you are and how you parent. I can't tell you how many kids I know are so broken. And I'd be willing to say a lot of it has to do with what goes on at home. How do we as a family, a church, minister to our friends in our church? How do we minister to our parents? How do we minister to grandparents? How do we minister? How do we share God's glorious word, worthy of being praised? worthy of giving glory how do we do this for each other the reason I think it's amazing that we're going through the shepherds is because we get to see through the eyes of how God sees us we see his heart we see his character we see how much he loves us and then the son was born see the story the sermon doesn't stop there it starts right there God, thank you for this time. God, may we just be challenged by this word. May we just listen to you. Not not in fear. May we listen to you with an anxious heart that wants to do your will, to live for your will. May we obey what you tell us to do and be faithful because you are faithful. This word shows your faithfulness. God, we love you. May this time we have 
fulfill and end this, this message in giving you praise for who you are. If we don't know you, God, I pray that we come to know you. I pray that you, you convict our hearts where we need to be convicted to let the sin in our life be just completely broken away from by the power and the blood of Jesus. And Isaiah 53 says, his wounds heal our wounds, God. May we just break these chains so we can be healed by his blood. Father, we love you. I love you. And I pray for this church that we grow to know you even more and not let this story or this sermon end here. But God, you continue to write our story for us. May this time we have to worship you right now bring you all the glory. In Jesus' name.